To ship, of course. It's time again for Build Engineering, DevOps, Release Management, and everything in between. It's the Ship Show. I'm your host, Paul Reed, Sober Build Eng on Twitter and at SoberBuildEngineer.com. Who's with me for, wow, in episode 40? Seth, uh, at CheesePlus on Twitter. And Yusuf, the uh, field scientist on Twitter. Are you both ready for the chef comps? That's what we're going to be talking about later uh, in the episode. Yes. Ooh, I'm yes. About, about ready to dish out some hugs. <laughs> yes, uh, somebody linked to the hug counter, I guess. We'll yeah. Be, I was looking forward to like adding some, some hugs to the, uh, the hug counter. That'll be fun. Well, before we do uh, cover ChefConf 2014, we're going to do news and views as we normally do. So uh, you probably had to have been under some sort of rock or not be on the internet to not have seen the OMG OpenSSL issues that were going on, I'm sure. Did either of you have to deal with any, like, doing upgrades and replacing certs and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. I, I got lucky. I was out, I'm out of ops, so... I don't have to deal with that anymore. I watched, I watched from afar. I mean, there were actually a few things that I did have to check, but yeah, I, I Got for most for the most part got to watch from afar, which was surprisingly pleasant because man, it's it's a lot nicer not have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, you want to talk about hug ops? It's like wow. I mean, you know, EJ often talks about just getting blindsided or slammed by things, mm-hmm. and it just everybody got kind of just totally screwed by this. I I tweeted uh, earlier in the week when this came out that I think it's becoming clear that an understanding of public key cryptography is probably at least a minimal sort of how it works is probably required for ops now because I think yeah. these things are going to become more common. Uh, and we, we talked about this in our 2014 perspective. Yusuf, you linked us to Akamai doing a little chest pounding about, hey, we fixed it, and they thought they were cool beans. Yeah, a couple things that I found interesting about that. So, first of all, apparently, I guess they knew uh, about some time, I don't know how much time, but some of the, some amount of time before it was publicly announced that uh, OpenSSL had this issue. So they, they knew about it, so they had time to sort of go in and patch. And Actually, we'll link to uh, somebody just put together a timeline of when, who knew what, and that's actually really interesting, so we'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, there were certain entities that sort of found out about it beforehand, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, so they, 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 they and a whole bunch of other companies or people knew about this issue. But the thing that I found really interesting about this is that they kind of came up with this uh, secure heap idea. Um, I won't go into the whole details of the whole Heartbleed OpenSSL issue, but I guess what they're saying is you know, instead of having some pointer or reference to a certain portion of memory that you're basically going to mark or set areas of secure memory as, you know, don't just go grab that portion of memory and... and so it's um, like guard pages. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what was even more interesting is that I guess somebody said that their their fix or their implementation uh, had an issue with it. Yeah. So, and then right. and, uh, and Akamai acknowledged that their their secure heat protection is insufficient, and they're replacing all their certs as well. Yeah. So the interesting thing I think about that, and and the person that was reporting that it's not secure, I think was making a bigger point. This is what he said. He said saying something is secure means nothing. When competent offense people say they tried A, B, and C and those failed, then maybe it is secure against A, B, and C. This tells us nothing about attacks X, Y, Z, and twelve. <laughs> so I mean, you know, if I, I guess the kind of security researcher stuff, they they can. Uh, be a little uh, brash, but I, I think he makes a good point. A lot of times, we it works for a certain organization or a certain configuration, but it's not applicable to the larger internet, which I think we need to remember. And actually, this reminds me, we'll link to show notes, uh, Theodore Rott from OpenBSD uh, was actually 
talking about this bug on a mailing list, and he was pointing out that uh, OpenBSD, their implementation of malloc, uses guard pages by default in certain configurations or something like that. And so he was saying, though, that they were surprised to find that OpenSSL, under certain implementations, uh, the common configuration, uh, actually implements its own malloc so that you do the guard page stuff that the operating system would provide uh, actually is broken. So he was like, LOL, if you write your own malloc implementations that, I mean, malloc and free are pretty well understood problems. Yep. There, so there's also uh, there's a, another uh, another related one. Paul Henning Kemp said uh, from the uh, the ACM.org saying uh, OpenSSL must die for it will never get any better. Um, <laughs> and it's an interesting. It kind of in in that same vein, talking about all the pitfalls. Like how many more bugs are there in those three hundred thousand lines of code type of thing? It's it's a very it's a very interesting kind of like on top of it, um, like starting over. And this it needs to die. It needs a well designed API. It needs these other things that aren't necessarily being uh, addressed right now. Even though they're patching it, they're not also fixing it. It's, it's just assuming that... It's whack-a-mole. Right. Exactly. It's whack-a-mole. And they're saying we need to start over again with nice interfaces. And I think I saw another one along the same lines talking about... What was it? It was it was basically the good and bad part of it, it being open source. Like, it's great that we were able to find this. So it's... Open source is totally terrible, but then so is everything else, I think was, like, the title of the article. Yeah. Uh, I'm, trying to find it, I'm trying to find it for the show notes, but it was kind of a fantastic point. Like, okay, this isn't necessarily an indictment of open source, but neither is if you look at the other stuff, it's you wouldn't have even found it. So, you know, who would have known? Yeah, yeah. And I, it, it's hard, right? Because people are saying, well, you should re-implement it. And then a bunch of people are saying, well, yeah, good luck with that. And every time anybody has ever tried to do that in any other context, it, like, it blows up. One of the things I was thinking about, you know, I, was, I was reminded of a, a lecture that a professor that I really liked in college used to give. And he used to talk about bugs in software. And he was talking, you know, like if you had bugs in your apartment, but you had food lying around and you had, you know, mm-hmm. stuff... It, it's sort of like you need to tidy. You need to keep the code tidy. You need to keep things tidy because that's where the bugs lurk. And I recently did a project for a client that was around getting OpenSSL building on different platforms, Windows, Mac, Linux, and kind of working with them and their usage of OpenSSL. And, and from a build perspective, and this is OpenSSL's build system, I noticed you know it's it's actually a very sort of what's the word I'm looking for, but like clunky build system, and it it, it doesn't do obsters, which means you can't have different config, you know, it, it kind of just sprays stuff all over the, the, the source directories, which we did in the 80s and the 90s, but then we sort of came up with like, obsters are a good thing, so we should use those. And nobody has really kept that part of OpenSSL tidy, and I was kind of wondering about the mentality, and I'm not questioning the developers, because I have no kind of data on that, but it's just, you know, when you have to build it and support it in that context, and it's a pain, it kind of makes you wonder, well, you know, where are the priorities for something security critical, like super critical as we found uh, with this exploit. What's the plan to sort of address any of that in the future? It's so, it's so super critical. How much are we actually paying people to work on it? Yeah. You know? To be fair, like, it would said super Very little, because I, I read somewhere that I think apparently they're getting, like, $2,000 a year. Right. Uh, but the point you're making, Seth, right, is how, how many, I would guess millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars, did the computer industry and the internet industry just pay people to fix this? Right, to risk and risk and, and potentially risk right. losing because of right. violating and, and, security credentials. It's, it's kind of yeah. like... And this is one of those things that is such better. a long tail. It's got such right. a long tail. People will be exploiting this for the next five years. Yeah. If we, can, we, can, we can still, like, we can totally fix this. Money fixes a lot of things, you know? It's, <laughs> companies pay for things and software gets written. It's amazing how that works. Wow. <laughs> yes. So, I'm just, I mean, 
mean, just just as a, as a note, like it's if if it was really this important, maybe we could have some big corporate sponsor come in and be like, hey, let's put some eyes on OpenSSL and some testing and some like rigorous yeah um, stuff. I you know just saying, just saying, just saying. <laughs> well, next up in a callback to our last episode, Seth, you linked us to uh, Domen Kozar, and I hope I pronounced that right. Domen Kozar's blog post on why Puppet Chef Ansible aren't good enough and how we can do better. We'll, of course, link to his thoughts in the show notes. But, yeah, I was reading this, and I the, the TLDR of it is that um, he's talking about, I guess, a Linux distro called Nixos, which I have heard of before, and it basically kind of turns the Linux file system standard on its ear and, and basically says if we did things differently, we wouldn't have a lot of problems related to state that Chef and Ansible and Puppet have to solve. Right? Am I getting that yeah. right? So yeah, basically, he's it's talking about like stateless packaging. Yeah. So you have he kind of has these these nice like graphs for his you know how he would put this stateless solution. So you have packing instructions and metadata that are input into a build system of a software package, and then you have these files immutably stored in a unique place. And it's this kind of like he he just it's a it's a very interesting way to think about packaging. It's not something that necessarily is changing how we're working, but it's like can we think about packaging in a completely different way? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like this is going to take over with the world right now, but, you know, purely functional language, um, which is kind of interesting. So being deterministic, like, that's, it's, it's a very interesting set of stack on top of kind of, like, just saying, here's how we're going to do things instead of Chef, and, like, alternatively to Docker. I, I just feel it's, like, a very interesting approach. It's worth reading. It, it seems, yeah, it seems pretty academic in terms of the discussion of it, because you're right, there is this sort of problem of, like, well, how would we make that work in, in practice? But a lot of those ideas actually tur- down the road turn into a destroyer. Well, Kind of thing that you talk about, like at you know at ChefCup when people are getting into the kind right. of theory behind configuration management. And I know when we have like Mark Burgess on the show, like that stuff is yes. very important to a lot of people. Yep. And so being you know having some of these properties that he's talking about is not it's not so academic at this, but at the same time it's something that unless you're writing a package manager, right? You're, you know, a package manager or configuration manager software, you may not find it. You know, it's it's a conversation that gets better with the second glass of bourbon. It really does. <laughs> Think about package managers and init services. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, that might break its cause of <laughs> Last up tonight, we've got Basic's 50th birthday. We'll, we'll put a couple links um, in the show notes because there were some awesome photos. Dartmouth is celebrating um, Basic's birthday. And I know Basic was, uh, you know, Apple IIe, lots of fun there, you know, the 10 print hello, 20 go to 10 um, <laughs> sort of thing. I think uh, a bunch of us did that back then, but it's it's kind of hard to believe it's been 50 years of Basic. And there's some awesome photos. There's uh, the, one of the people that uh, was involved. There's a picture of like his 1960s car with a basic license plate on it and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, there's some really cool photos, so we'll link to those. But yeah, 50 years of basic. One thing I wanted to mention, uh, DZone just released their continuous delivery guide, um, and I know some people listen to the ship show through DZone and get their episodes via that mechanism. They do a bunch of really awesome guides on all sorts of topics. They had a cloud guide that they had done last year, and they just released their continuous delivery guide. It's got a bunch of different articles and a uh, surveys and data. So if you're kind of struggling with continuous delivery, you should definitely check it out. They've got articles from Steve Smith, uh, Matthew Skelton, Koskes in there. He, he wrote an article uh, related to continuous delivery and Jenkins. And of course, yours truly is in there as well on continuous delivery pitfalls. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes where you can grab a copy of that and look at how uh, continuous delivery is unfolding in the industry and what other people are doing to get it rolled out in their organizations. Next up, we're going to be looking at ChefConf 2014 and the 
hug-ups and the awesomeness therein. Next up on the show. All right, so welcome back to the Ship Show. So we have continuing coverage of Chef Comp 2014, and I'm joined by, uh, well, so it's, it's our standard Ship Show panel for the most part. We, we do have special guest star, Fletcher Nickel. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Good, Fletcher? good. Really good. Better now with the bourbon. Better, better with the bourbon. Uh, to our listeners, we aren't drinking at all, of course, obviously. <laughs> So I want to start with awesome is a word that I think the chef community uses a lot. We throw that word a lot, around a lot, I think. And I was pleased that this year's conference theme was delightful and delight. And I think we can all agree it's pretty f- delightful. Yeah. F- delightful. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I actually loved. Is Have you the, seen our t-shirts? Yeah. The ones that say uh, delightful, there's Morse code that says f- oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. By the way, to yes. the listeners who, there's going to be some bleeping, so just... Get ready for that. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to start with this concept of the delight economy that mm-hmm. uh, Barry talked about first keynote uh, of the conference, which was, uh oh, we have special guest knock at the door. Who could that be? Who could that be? It's Seth Vargo. Oh my gosh, more Seth. More. Yes, we've doubled our Seth quotient for the panel. So we were just starting to talk about the whole focus on delight and the delight economy. Um, and this focus has been shifting from like the sharing and gifting economy to the delight economy. What did you guys think of that? I thought that's, that's an interesting take. So uh, I think it was, so I, I actually missed, I was watching the keynote from the live stream because I was out trying to build a new release for a product. You're such a release. You're trying to delight your customers, right? Trying to, trying delight to delight my customers. But I think the delight, I think it's because, you know, make more awesome is great. And, you know, it's, it's always been a good slogan, but delighting both your internal customers as well as your external customers, I think for me, that always goes back to like riots, like customer focus, like that kind of mentality is very, very healthy for a company to adopt and to maintain in their community. Can you explain the delight economy for all of our listeners who aren't actually like obsessed with chef? So and didn't actually watch. It's fair. <laughs> I yeah, well, mean. well, I guess what I would say about delight that, that kind of resonated with me. A lot of what I do is I don't view it as being awesome or not. It's totally selfish. I'm out to like delight myself first, right? <laughs> to build something that solves my problem. What makes me super happy is to talk to other people who end up using these tools and who are like happier in their lives and jobs as a result. So I totally, I totally get that. Well, yeah, what's interesting about that is, and, and we'll talk about this too, is like there were a couple of talks about humane automation. Adam talked about that in his keynote. And there were also a couple of talks about humane automation. And so this, this idea that from a business perspective, when you leverage that delight, Right, people remember that, mm-hmm. um, and that's how you can kind of differentiate yourself with well, your for, customers. For and you said internal customers too, so yeah. it's not just like right, yeah, you know, it's, you're, it's like if you're a dev tools team or something like it's like really delighting the people that you're writing those tools for. Right, if my if my ops teams are delighted and my dev teams are delighted, then everyone's everyone's happy and everyone's playing nice. Everyone's so I used to actually have this on my resume. It was like my goal is to automate myself out of a job, but I realized that that's not actually the right because you don't you obviously still want to keep your job, but you don't want to automate every everything away. 
but it's automating it so that humans can use it. Mm. Like automating to the point where humans can both use it and understand it. Right. I think is a way more important because you can automate something like I've seen tons of Perl scripts. That's, that are that's where Perl came from, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They automated Perl is inhumane. Well. Yeah, exactly. Perl is, is an inhumane torture. Um, <laughs> should be banned by NATO. But uh, but it kind of it's it's changed my own perception of how we should approach that problem. It's not just automation for the sake of making the business more efficient because that misses all of the humans. Right. Um, well, and so the interesting thing, you know, that brings us to Justin from GE Capital, his keynote that he gave about how you think of GE as sort of, well, why are they in the DevOpsy thing? They're, they build jet engines and healthcare, like MRIs and mm-hmm. things. And it was funny to see him talk about that same sort of trying to inspire their teams with that sort of empowerment and delight. And also talking about the, he did this great Moby Dick analogy where it was hunting the DevOps whale. And he was right. talking about making the whale sausage, which I everybody oh my. loved. Yeah, I know. It was, it was like, because he was talking about, you know, when you're hunting this mythical whale and, and uh, you could see how the sausage was made and then it sort of came out as, see how the whale sausage is made. So it was, <laughs> it was interesting, you know, but, but just this kind of idea that a lot of times that's that we perceive the journey that way when we're kind of hunting the DevOps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Well, yeah, just because you get a DevOps team doesn't mean you... you caught your whale either it right just, that's it just means, what's his point yeah right. yeah that is the whale I that think, is yeah life. exactly yes yeah. you have now given yourself a whale. exactly what do i do with this whale we're <laughs> talking to a lot about and i think right you know it's funny i was having flashbacks like high school and cliff notes and what we did cliff notes because who, who read that um, <laughs> it's not enough time really. no yeah but but talking about it being it really being the journey not the destination. Totally. Well, it's not like you don't catch this whale. It's the story of how you get here and how that's going to be. And you should always be going. I think right. that's John Cowie in his, in his talk. Because everyone's like, well, Etsy's already automated everything. Yeah. What do they have left to do? The like, fun stuff. The right? fun stuff. Right. And he was like, we still use all these, like, and we understand our tools so deeply, and we just we just get more and more use out of it. And you watch them, it's like they're still doing cool stuff with automation. But mm-hmm. cooler stuff. Cooler stuff, like, because yeah. they've got the automation so stable, and so they've iterated on it for so long that they have this amazing platform that gives them the courage to do what he was talking about, like, 40 deploys a day. You know, and you look at Amazon, they're doing, you know, 200, but it's, it, when you get that scale, you can do those things. Yeah, well, and that was, I think, the point of, Jess Humble closed up with his keynote mm-hmm. and he was talking about uh, he was talking about Mike Rother who researched how Toyota did things and then went to the company and said do it this way and then Toyota was like well no 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 we're doing it this other way <laughs> what was funny though is like kind of in, in talking about customer life he felt bad about it and he was like well what we should be teaching is the way that they do that the way they discover what the right thing is to do right. and tackle it from that perspective and I think that the discovery piece is super critical there which plays into what we were talking about earlier is we're not going to force this way down people's throats, right? It's all about making sure that the customer, the client, whatever you call your consumer, that they're discovering their process on their own. And I think that's super important, like in organizational culture and technology, and even outside of the space, you you don't want to you don't want to hinder innovation by prescribing a, a certain process. Yeah, when I mean, we saw that in in the in uh, Justin's GE talk, where it's like, okay, fine, you could actually do that. I mean, so we talk about it like a lot of times, smaller cultures, startups, and stuff like that. And it's like with GE, like, good luck doing that, and I'll just ignore the shit out of you. Like each division will be like, yeah, go f- yourself. So he was talking about the light, the light touch, about that? about how to actually 
inculcate that sort of thinking that then leads to the behavior. So is, I, we saw that with, uh, I mean, they did, it was last year that it was a big deal, but when you saw the Disney folks talking about how they are emissaries to other groups and how they're slowly, and I've talked to a lot of people who are now working at Disney and we're along the, the, the process and they actually asked us to come in to talk, you know, for, you know, day-to-day business. And when in, they, we saw them actually doing this, they're like, we're changing our culture slowly. And they've been able to get a lot of successes, even in a massive organization like Disney. And I think that's even a harder fought one because when you're at, you know, a 40 person startup and everyone's like, Bookshelf is awesome. That's an easier sell. Right? So it's, yeah. you're already, everyone's kind of bought into the magic, you know, DevOps sparkle pony. And Unicorn, please. Sorry, sorry, unicorn. Um, and with an organization, like, I think it's actually more challenging. I think a lot of people were like, why would you go there? And it's like, well, if you can change the whole organization with just very subtle tweaks and make everyone happier and delight, you know, for them it's delighting the teams that they're serving. Um, right. Yeah, and we, we talk about, like, you know, really what you're talking about is resilience to change. And, you know, there's a correlation between the larger the organization, especially the older the organization, the higher the resilience to change. You know, they, they have battle scars. And, and you have organizational knowledge where people say, this didn't work before, therefore it can't possibly work again. Uh, yeah. Remember or, that one or, time we tried DevOps? Yeah, right. <laughs> or a lot of things, too. And I, I think people like badmouth process, but people forget, like, in big organizations, the reason they have process is because somebody that up at one point it's like let's have a process so nobody does yeah. that again and of course if it never changes that's bad yeah. right but there's a reason why they're saddled with all this sort of you know, heavyweight stuff Wait, well, I, I think that ties in with, with Jez's point in, in his talk that I hadn't thought about before that uh, the way that a company does something it's like it's the defense against <laughs> It's it's like protection against like the problem you're trying to solve right mm-hmm. now. It's it's almost it's all, yeah it's almost diametrically opposed to the actual goal. Yeah, I, I had so not really thought about it that way. He, right? So when he said for me it, it struck a chord because like when you're how many of you are doing deploys outside of normal hours to prevent it going down during normal hours, but at the same time putting yourself at a great amount of risk. And I'm like, oh god, I can name ten game companies that do exactly that. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, and, and you know it's funny. The other part of that talk that he was the point he was one of the points he was trying to make is like so yeah like how many people like friday from six to ten are doing work and it's like yeah. what would i rather be doing from yeah. six to ten on a friday and he didn't say it but he's like you're basically shitting all over these people right and they're you're gonna burn them something's gonna bad is right. gonna happen they're either gonna leave they're gonna go postal but know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symptom of not only potentially a bad culture but a bad process yes Yes. Because you're basically saying, well, deploys aren't a normal thing, therefore we push them outside the, de- the, the window of normal work hours. Right. right, it's like another thing. Right. And it's something that we don't particularly like, and it's scary. Yeah, so dangerous. we're going to put it at arm's So we're going to put it over there, yeah. And then when it breaks, we're going to yell at this person, this poor person who's, or team that's got to do, is, their mandate is to basically be bad at their job. <laughs> and, like, that's, and that's really like Adam Jacob was talking about that in his keynote, where if you're if your employees are unhappy with the product or service that they're shipping, that's going to be reflected at the, in the end product and your customers aren't going to be happy, which is the reason that uh, in Barry's keynote, he also said, you know, every business is a technology company. It doesn't matter what your product is. In, in this century, you're a technology company and, you know, you have to be following these practices or else your employees are going to be up at midnight on a Friday night away from their families, away from their friends. And that's going to be reflected in the product. And that's ultimately going to hurt your revenue streams. So that quote that stuck from Adam's keynote was unhealthy and unhappy people build right. unhealthy products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if a product can be unhappy and be crashing all the time, maybe the product's unhappy too. Yeah. So that stuck with me, but I was surprised that got like a ton of retweets too. I mean, that, that, like, that seems to resonate with people. We are ops culture dominant, so I mean, there's still quite a bit of PTSD, I think, going on in this. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wanted to talk, Sasha, you gave a talk on sort of 
cultural changes and this don't you're doing it wrong and all that kind of stuff which yeah. is you know you hear a lot of these stories of like the Toyota thing it's like don't copy Toyota learn how to do it yourself but I want to talk about your talk because it was it was also it was full of course the of the little cats that we all have yes. come to know and love from your your presentations it was <laughs> the uh, how to not be a asshole on the internet which um I thought was pretty funny as a former <laughs> on the internet <laughs> my name is Paul but I and I'm a, re- I'm a recovering and the biggest thing for me that I was trying to get across in that talk is that you just have to learn to when not to engage when it's not worth your time and 99% of the time it's not worth your time to engage if you don't have anything to add if you're just going to make somebody feel bad I love engage. the example you gave about the labels example about naming your servers naming servers yeah mm. yeah yeah and it was because we've all had that it's like should it be Star Trek ships or Star Wars ships dude it can be like, like actual code names because we, we've done that and like John Cowie came up to me after and he's like dude at Etsy every one of our servers has names yeah. and we're not going to stop anytime soon yeah well and I will say this you're talking like about a different debate that I was thinking because I immediately went to like what should the naming scheme be and I remember having this oh that's scheme. a yak shave right yeah there. exactly well, right. Yeah. there's like policy documents and rules yeah. and committees yeah. that do like the naming schema yeah. for right. organization should, should you imply the rack locations in the names right and I've, I've been right. in places that have those and, and there's always good reasons for it but people do get a little too yeah and this is it's so and, and, much fun <laughs> I mean, the West Coast hipster culture is all about our servers are so disposable, you shouldn't ever have to SSH into one, and you should never have to know what the uh, name of it is. Yeah, that example, too. And uh, that's really what makes me mad, is that once they start that, they shut down every other avenue of conversation about that topic, and almost nobody is there. And I'm glad that you want to get there, but nobody is, and they're not going to get there anytime soon. I still have a data And And they tend to have actual physical hard drives that tend to go bad. Yeah, exactly. Real things. They might not have a name, but they sure as hell have a serial number. <laughs> and they really died. This they reminds run. me a lot of last year at ChefConf, Mike Fiedler gave a talk. I think it was Treat Your Infrastructure Like Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and it, uh, I think it's still on YouTube and it really talks about a lot of like this specific topic. About yeah. Oh, yeah totally. We give our servers names and we say things like, this one over here, it's finicky. And at some point they're going to die. Like technology is going to die. And yeah. that might be tomorrow and that might be 10 years from now. But we need to prepare for that. We yeah. should. But there should um, be more people like in enterprise and stuff right now are like not there and they still have problems to solve. And I don't need people taking their time to like make people feel bad about the operating conditions they're in right now. Yeah. Especially uh, in the chef community where we pride ourselves on not being Well, and the, the other thing about And tend to be sort of cloud-minded, I think, by mm-hmm. default. Yeah, and so I, think, I think like Twitter and social media also plays a role in that because um, I remember last year, ChefConf Chris Brown has a quote in his keynote where he says... 140 characters is just enough to say something mean. Yeah. yeah. Viciously. Um, and it's enough to not <laughs> have emotion. An and mm-hmm. it's just enough to be an mm-hmm. Um And, you know, you know, I would be remiss and a hypocrite if I said that I didn't be there and say things on Twitter that would be John Cowie is going to do a yeah, great John, story yeah. about you. Yeah, that was I've learned that people have feelings and even in 140 characters you can really make someone feel like yeah and that's not cool and uh you know there's a difference between an accidental and an intentional too and I think a lot of times we say things and we don't mean it or we don't have the same connotation that you get in a tweet and uh, yep. we need to be aware that there are I try to think about things that I'm going to tweet whether or not it's going to offend anyone and then I sometimes know. I decide to still tweet it, but at least I've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like, so sometimes, like, I don't want to be, like, all really complimentary about something that might have been opposed by, like, 
five other things in the same time slot because mm. I don't want to make other people feel bad or like right. maybe there was one day this week where I thought one of the keynotes was amazing but I didn't want other people to feel bad because I didn't say anything about the so, other So yeah, ones. by praising one, you imply something but, about yeah. the other. Yes. Yeah, I've so I've that. actually yeah. tried to avoid that on Twitter too yeah. where I'm careful about praising things that have implied very close opposites or opponents right. where I don't want somebody else to feel bad because I'm praising something else. So I don't I've, know. I've That's a little oversensitive, but um, no, we're a pretty it, it small really, community. So one thing I want to... Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing I wanted uh, about your talk to you talking about like you're doing it wrong and all of this critique. The, the interesting part about that, you were talking about servers that are named mm -hmm. like the mirror ports and stuff like that and we're not going to get to cloudy magical anytime soon for certain organizations. Even if those organizations will get to that or could get to that like tomorrow telling you that you're doing it wrong doesn't even add anything to like how you would do that it, it doesn't yeah. like even if you zero value to, yeah it, it really is so so i i thought that was a uh really important message and we also saw it in uh, jeff haggard's talk i wanted to see that so bad i'm yeah. so excited to see that one when yeah, it's yeah. On video. that was again about humane automation and how do we there's I was going to say, I saw it actually acted out in at ChefConf where people were actively disagreeing about things, like very vehemently disagreeing about how to do something and then realizing maybe we shouldn't be, like people would see and they're like, maybe we shouldn't be arguing, maybe we should just talk and not be. So Pete Cheslock did, his talk was on. Tell two workflows, workflows, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was great because he was, his first uh, disclaimer was like, I don't listen to anything I say. And then he talked about two different companies that are in different stages of their life, different cultures, different systems, different requirements. He loves the dying example. Like he's, he's at dying right now, but he loves the dying example because they have the circular dependency problem where it's like, yeah, all your cookbooks are on GitHub, but we do DNS for GitHub. So if I make, if I make DNS for dying service go down and GitHub doesn't have <laughs> DNS, like everybody's just Right, so that you know, he talks a lot about that, but but at the end, it's like these are two different workflows. Like one used roles, one didn't, and it's okay. Yeah. And I like that you were talking about people playing that out. There's mm -hmm. a huge difference. Like I saw that too, but I think the difference at ChefConf, I saw a lot more conversations that started with "you're doing it wrong," and then it was "why," and it was not 140 characters limited. Yeah, they could talk about it. Hug there it was out. that eye, like, hug it out. There was well, actually, you know what? There was the eye contact. Yeah. So there's this sort of automatic, like, hey, you're a human. Oh, I'm a human too. And you sometimes over Twitter, we don't quite. Well, Did you forget it's, that? Sometimes it's not even the physical contact, though. Sometimes it's like the tone of your voice. Yes. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of times, I know like Adam Jacobs' first response to like an incident is to pick up the phone and call someone. And like when things blow up on Twitter, like that's his, that's his response. And so you escalate to like synchronous communication. Yeah. Right. Where like the bandwidth is higher. Yeah, and, and because the of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, it, and he can diffuse a situation much faster than anyone else I've ever met because of that. Right. And that's because his instinct is Go very different than mine. <laughs> My instinct is to like... I'm going to write a 30... Actually, he mentioned this. I'm going to write a 30-page Google Doc telling them why they're wrong. It's my, yeah. it's my Martin Luther kind of like... Yes. Here's my boom! And, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, why did I... I spent two hours writing this nasty email responding to like 30 lines of text maybe. Yeah. And like, yeah. did I waste well, my time? that's therapy. And I, as long as you don't send well, it. As long as you don't send it. When you hit delete and you're like, well... I feel a little bit. I, I've got a lot of drafts going right now where yeah. I write it, and then I'm like, "Whoo, wow!" Yeah, I yeah, we're gonna delete that one. I like you know, write it the night before, and then if you still think it's a good idea in the morning, yeah, yeah, maybe so. Some, I think that's um, one of the one of the things that I really love about the chef community and chef conf in general is that there's this. It's not just the tech. There's also an emphasis on the, the human sort of yeah factors. humanity. We try really hard. Humanity, I think the whole community yeah. tries pretty hard to be decent human beings, yeah, and, and I, I really like that. And people are willing to be. I mean, I think that once you get past the need to win all the time, 
You, it helps a lot, but people are willing to be wrong a lot. Like we talk through a lot well, of look, stuff, look at, and people are not well, entirely so emotionally attached to being. You don't win right. anything I, if you're I, just always in a state of winning. So this right? is yeah. There's a lot is, of confidence, I think, in the community. This, yeah, this is gonna be all super nerdy, but I'm reminded of like the episode of Star Trek where Data was playing some Grandmaster or something, and he changed his strategy from trying to win to a just draw. trying to do a draw. Right. And so what you see, like, if the strategy is we should all work and be together and lift everyone up as opposed to I'm going to win over you. Like that's a, it changes that whole dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think that's a personal confidence thing and we are really good about appreciating each other I think in the community and mm -hmm. there's a lot of confidence and once you feel like you know something it's really a lot easier to say I don't know anything about that at all or I don't know the answer to that or I might not even have the right answer. Well, and that, when other people can express that and inspire confidence, they can inspire confidence in you when they're willing to be like, no, actually you do because you wrote this thing. I watched, well, for me, it was the person I was watching uh, was Noah, and Noah was talking to Jamie, and they, were, had a, they had a disagreement about a pattern. And he's like, oh, man, now I'm thinking that he might be right. Like, it is like, kind of like, it's like, fuck. You're like, oh, there's no way to get out of this. He's like, he's like, no, now I'm being all, like, compassionate, and now I am coming around to understand. But you see that happening played out. And you don't see that in, like, it's not like the Linux kernel developer community where it's just like, you go in there, you yeah, have so, a suit armor. You are now I cut you out forever. Yeah, yeah exactly. You are, whereas like the chef community, I've seen some of the people who are best friends have the most vehement disagreements, but it's always been with the context of, oh, we're still going to go get a beer later, right? Like, well, so we're going to sit down with each other. I actually learned this from a discussion list, another discussion list item on the chef list, and that was a couple of, a while ago when we were talking about, must have been a couple of years ago now, where we were talking about uh, partial file edits and whether or not we should put that into Core mm, Chef. Oh my goodness, remember I remember this. this. <laughs> and I yes. came down purely Legendary. on the side of no, we totally shouldn't put that functionality in there because that is the worst idea in the world that anybody would ever want to do it. I kept flip-flopping right? like, well, and that seems bad. Well, and then somebody else came no, that's bad. I don't know what to think. We are about letting people do what they need to do yeah. and everybody has one bizarre edge case where they just need that and the fact that we're withholding it because we don't want them to hurt themselves is the wrong reason to withhold it. Yeah. Um, well, just Pete's, Pete said in his talk, that's one of the things that makes Chef great is that it, you know... But that really made me think. Yeah, it supports all it's these like, weird-ass things. Just because I think need. it's a terrible right. idea right. doesn't mean that um, we shouldn't put the functionality in there for somebody to you use. You should be allowed to do it. Because it might have a bad idea for you. Position. And we're going to be yeah. like, you shouldn't do that. And we'll help you find another way mm -hmm. if you need to. You really shouldn't, but if you need to... You go for it, and we'll even help you when you're sad. And I think we found a really good middle ground with that particular example, <laughs> where we put it in Chef Core and just didn't document it. Yeah. Before I'm done. I actually think that's okay because that gives people the up the ability, but yeah. we don't like encourage it. Well, I've, I found out because I actually did that myself where I was like, I know this is the wrong thing to do, but for this problem, for this One system... One time, you have ah, to do it. It's like, it would just be really easy to just substitute this line, like not write a template, but just go in and like do a quick... It was something for FreeBSD, of course. Um, Pete and those, I... Sorry. Those are my favorite moments yeah, though because be you have like 10 lines of comment being like, well, I know this is kind of an insane thing to do, and it's probably not something you should repeat. However, this is awesome so, that I can do this one line. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or like, it's like, well, I know this is there's no chef resource to do this or anything, but I'm just gonna write some Ruby here, and I know it, it'll work, and everyone like it'll get the job done, but it's not the right way, or at least ideologically, it's kind of opposed. But that's what really helped me with like the idea that just because somebody wants to do something that I think is wrong doesn't mean that I understand what they need or their needs or their context. So I think context is really everything. Theme. But on, on the flip side, I think sometimes 
especially engineering-minded people, they get their head in, in this this idea that they know the solution to their problem. Yes. And sometimes, but they don't maybe always understand the problem. Exactly. Or, and know. I know like you and I have talked to people on GitHub and stuff where they, they submit a pull request for this feature because it solves their need. But I need to understand what, like, what's the actual. So what's the reason? Problem? What are you trying it? to yeah, accomplish? Yeah. Maybe we can help you find a better way yeah. to get to that end game. And maybe we can find a way that helps more people. Yeah. And there are ways to ask that yeah. in yeah. GitHub, in discussion lists, by other than why do you want to do that? That's stupid. Yes, yeah. well, I've talked to a lot. Well, yeah, because like you put a judgment value right, right at the end of your sentence. Exactly. Where it's it's, like, hey, you could have ended it right there, yeah. with, you know, like with the question why or or not yeah. even what. But or I'm curious right. because I don't quite understand. Well, and I get that a lot. I like I like to know more. Though. I've changed how I talk to customers with that exact phrasing. Yeah. Where it's cause it's non me, it's non judgmental, right? Because well, they come in there like I want I want a key value store to do something RDBMS, and it's like and you're like oh your 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 initial reaction is like well that's why would you want to do that? It's let me solve your problem. Let me help you solve your own problem. And I think that's a sign of a superior, whatever it is, consultant, ops person, is somebody who doesn't say, no, I'm not going to do that, but instead says, um, what do you really want to do here? Well, you know, when somebody walks up to you and is like, you yeah. need to do this thing, and you're like, Take no. the step back before you, you die. Right. Yeah. Right? This exactly. is one of my favorite topics. I know we've talked about this like three or four times. <laughs> well, no, no, no. And it's good. It, it, and it keeps coming up because it, it's still an issue. Still that, 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 there are still children actually, on the internet. The industry <laughs> needs to unpack. It's an industry issue. But I did want to hop back because that was uh, great saying to like the four aspects in Adam's keynote that he talked about, uh, safety, knowledge, freedom, and contentment. And he talked about those in sort of the, the community, you, humanity, humane, automation sense, but then also in the technology sense. He gave the example about, you know, with uh, knowledge, it's like, well, when you have a system that's doing stuff under the hood and you don't know, like, that makes ops engineers angry. But then also this, this thing that we've been talking about with contentment, I thought that was a very um, clean, nice way to break that down. And he had a, a chart, that graph up there, what was it? Cruel empathy. Oh, oh yeah. like I hate cruel empathy. You he know? Actually, I heard him running through his talk yesterday with somebody, and he had another interesting example that I he didn't actually use in the keynote that I heard, and that was the idea that we have the no ass rule, and that actually resulted in a lot of people not giving some hard truths to each other in the company early because uh, they didn't want to be perceived as ass. It's and, a fine line. You don't want how, to appear to be there. an asshole. And so that people stopped actually giving some hard truths, mm, yeah. and they had to like find their way back from that spot mm. and find the happy medium. Yeah, I've I've had that at companies that were were not doing things right, and they if anyone gave hard advice, you were perceived as not a team player. Yeah. It's like, but I just I'm telling the truth. I, I'm not. I don't. This is. I want to start a dialogue. I don't want to. I don't want to be an asshole. But I need somebody needs to say this because if nobody says this, we're going to keep yeah. repeating a, a failed pattern. And so that kind of resistance, you need to be open for criticism. At the same time, you need to be able to articulate that criticism without give it constructively. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's all about the constructiveness because you know I could walk up to you and say, "Hey, your code sucks." And that doesn't help anybody. You hate me, because but it makes a really hilarious tweet. Makes a hilarious tweet. But you know, you feel bad. I've hurt your feelings, and even though you shouldn't be emotionally attached to your code, you now are. Now you are. It's I'm emotionally attached to the fact that you like were just mean to me. Though. Exactly. And not only was I mean to you, but I made you feel like. Yeah. And now you don't like me. I've put a strain on our relationship, and I haven't given you anything to help you write better code. Yep. Granted, the, the, the statement I gave you is, is completely subjective, right? Your code may be great, I just don't like it. But I haven't, like, I haven't articulated that, I haven't told you, I haven't given you any tips, I haven't given you any books or like blogs or anything to look at to help improve that process. I'm an ass. 
You can criticize anything I do or code I write because it's probably terrible. But if you give me a pull request, you can say you can say like you 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 what were you smoking? But if you you had a pull request and I can read through it, oh man, you're you're right. I was smoking. I was this. I was like, wow, that, that was really bad. Why would I do that? Then you're gonna ask them, dude, what were you smoking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you get you get a dialogue as opposed to a you're an. So we had the keynote. I, I thought all the keynotes were great. The other one that I wanted to mention because it was kind of like mind blown and. <laughs> the, floating around my head. The, the gif, um, right? Well, yeah, we'll yeah, the gif. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll gif. But Rachel Chalmers She's from Ignition Park, yeah, was amazing. And and what uh, her talk was interesting to me because it was like you're saying about in the first ten minutes, you're saying a bunch of things don't really connect. I don't see where you're going. I'm glad you gave me that information. And then like right, minute eleven, wove it all together, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> she was telling the story about. Netscape, and then she kind of went out to talk about VMware, and then she kind of talked about OpsWorks and Cloudflare and like all of these things. And then, like, you know, there was this kind of interesting story about how the industry repeats itself. Mm. And so she was talking about virtualization, and that was really a mainframe thing, right? And, and how like OpsWorks like, could have done. AppSware. Or OpsWare, yes. OpsWare uh, could have done what Chef did or what Puppet did. But they actually didn't really quite understand the problem space in the same way that we sort of understand it now. And also it was, they kind of, piv- they did a major pivot. Yeah. And so they kind of pivoted to something else anyway. And that was just A, full of, you know, so I worked at VMware, so I knew some of that mm-hmm. history. Dude, but it, I have worked with AppSware. Yeah, and so, the, but that, that was a very interesting sort of weaving that all together mm-hmm. and and sort of giving us, I mean, I my takeaway from that, and I'd be curious what you guys thought uh, or what your takeaway was, but um, was that like, this is how the pattern repeated and played the re- repetition out in virtualization mm-hmm. and in automation, actually. Mm-hmm. So be aware of that because Chef is like, uh, it's a thing. It's a big deal. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a thing. It's, got, it's, got, it's got history, too. Did she actually bring up yeah. containers at the end? I can't remember. But that was like, that's the um, the obvious progression there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's I think the she next did. logical yeah. step. Yeah. I, I don't think she talked about anything. I think it was just like a hint and like a foreshadow. That she's going to be up on stage in ten years talking about containers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's well, so, I mean, she was talking about uh, uh, um, service-oriented architectures too, because you know it was like, and that was the other interesting point about that talk. She's like, you, the reason you write it this way, the reason you write services is because you don't know what your app's going to be in five years. Yeah. The business does not know, so you need to be able to construct an app and then throw them away when they're no longer useful. If you yeah. if you look at Google's architecture for like, they talk about how they run services and everything, and every machine just takes. Jobs. Yeah. It's everything is just a job. It's just a big processing. It's just wait. Are you thinking it's just Jenkins? Yeah. Just, like it's just, just a huge. <laughs> it's just a huge. No, no, no. It's Hudson. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huge, yeah. huge, shiny Hudson. But they, they were talking about because they're like we don't know what's ever going to be running on any given machine, and we don't care. Right. But at the same time, we've modularized everything so that because we don't know what our infrastructure will look like, so let's just build a giant grid system and then schedule things. I mean, granted, it takes a, that scale and that size and that kind of need for speed that they have, but to get there. They're like, oh yeah, everything's just a job. You don't have to worry about what servers it's running on, whatever. Because then, otherwise, you get like, these are my special snowflake servers, and there are enough of them that it's a snowdrift. They have, yeah, but then, you know, you they have these no piles of snowflakes. Snow around. Around. And then I love well, well, I love Fletcher, you're nodding because you're like, Canada, snow. Like, That's like snowdrift, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of snowflakes I don't want to deal with. I want to shovel that away. Hashtag Canada. So, I wanted to ask everyone what their sort of favorite session, because I. We were arguing, we were talking about like sessions that we could and couldn't go to. Mm-hmm. So Seth, what was... Well, so first I want to... Sorry, 
Seth Vargo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's but, be specific. Yeah, yes. we gotta be specific. But before I tell you that you just you just corrected yourself because you were looking at Sasha and you said we were arguing over and then you said we talked about it. But that goes into <laughs> what we were talking about earlier and I thought that was like super cool to touch on. Um, Self-correcting. Self yeah. Error correction control. Paul is actually really fun to argue with because he's willing to discuss just about anything and um, we'll always, uh, we can always both come down on either side. So I want to tell you a really funny story. So I was here on Tuesday for the workshops and uh, I actually helped Dave Zwiebeck facilitate the, the postmortem workshop. Mm -hmm. And it was actually funny because I ended up doing like an hour in the afternoon that was unplanned. So I was kind of like trying to figure out, tap down team. This is I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. you do, but... No, but uh, Keyboard the, cat. Yeah. The <laughs> awesome part about that though is we were talking about different bias biases and and uh, we were I was walking around the tables facilitating this. Mm. I asked like well what could you have done and they were immediately like hindsight bias and they were calling me on my own and it was funny I was like oh okay yeah I meant to say <laughs> da, da, da. so yeah um, that that was I, I felt good about that that we actually thought something useful but anyway Seth your your favorite my favorite my favorite talk, talk. that was not a keynote it's really tough. Um, I was a room captain today, so unfortunately I didn't get to go to any other talks that were not in my room. But even so, uh, having looked at the schedule, I think I would have to pick John Kaiser's Chef Metal talk for two reasons. First of all, Chef Metal is just awesome. The technology, the process behind it, all the work that's gone into it, like I've, I've seen that happen. Manny gave us the demo on the keynote. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. And yeah. That was an awesome demo. Um, but you know, John gave a more technical overview. Mm -hmm. But really why that was my favorite talk is I introduced him and I made up his entire history. Uh, you know, said that he was in an 80s rock band with long metal hair and <laughs> he ran up on stage and just like, I could buy it. He'd like own that. Yeah, yeah. and he, well, with, with the Kool Aid shirt too. With the Kool Aid oh, shirt. Yeah, like, he just nailed it. Like he just flat out nailed it. Like the charisma, the content, the questions at the end. It was a super packed room, super engaged audience. I, I really felt like I don't like I don't even know how to describe the emotion that I felt, but it, it just felt like everyone needed this and they got it and they were so excited. He was so excited. There was a lot of passion behind it, both from the audience and from the, the developer on that team. And it just made me feel like all warm and fuzzy inside. I totally wanted to hug him just because Chef Metal does something. I mean, when we're doing like big distributed databases, it's like, I need, I needed that. So this I is, needed this that is, so bad for is, so long and now I, it's there. I remember when we did the Chef Conf 2013 mm -hmm. review and I can't remember what the feature was. Chef Zero. Was it Chef Zero? Yeah. Yes. So this is the recurring theme, and this is it why you kind of need. Seth was like, "I wanted that," and I was in the audience. It's like basically. So apparently, Chef's goal is to make re re release a feature at ChefConf every year that makes Seth cry. <laughs> Seth Thomas. I'm pretty sure yeah, a lot of people with, with joy, joy, with joyous tears. Joyous tears. Yes. Well, the other is that was also John. This is also John. Also, this is my point. He's killing it for me. That you kind of look at what he talks about in. Chef Comp, and that's basically what within the next year we're all kind of using and abusing, and it's sort of and normal and it never really existed. Well, it's like last year when it was talking about Test Kitchen, and then this look at Test Kitchen last year, you're talking about like here's all the cool stuff, oh, and then this year it's like I can't imagine life without Test Kitchen. Like, I've, I've taken out all of like the there are no more vagrant files or anything like that, it's just Test Kitchen. She's you know, people are like, Well, I wanted to do this, I'm like. Just, just look how cool this is. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. If you want to put your Vagrant file and fork my cookbook, sure, cool, do that. 
but look at how cool this is and look at what it gets you and they're like oh I can test it too or like server <laughs> spec that's the point yeah exactly like, ultimately but <laughs> oh my oh, like because I mean we wrote all these mini test tests and I'm like no ripping them all out like ripping it like destroying the world it's destroy the world but it's, it's so satisfying because I'm like here's a much better tool for doing just that does Kitchen have EC2 integration yet? yeah well uh, I mean it spins up on the best part for me is um, and this comes back to kind of the chef philosophy I don't need to pick winners well, it's it's all up to drivers. If somebody like needs something on EC2, they can do it. Well, I had so I had an issue recently that had me sticking around with my vagrant files because uh, Kitchen was not. Oh, dot, dot kitchen dot cloud dot YAML. Yeah, I remember what was <laughs> it was. It was a few months ago too, though. Seth Thomas, favorite. What was your favorite? Oh, so I'm so I'm a bit torn here. So I, I, there was there was a Jamie's talk was hilarious and there was a lot of laughing and I'm crying. I'm to watch that because one too. it's just slide selection and and if you know Jamie, it was hilarious. So. That was that, but the one that I think I got more out of it from what I what I was you know something I didn't expect was uh, I went to go see John Cowie's talk from Etsy, and he was like, "Here are all the interaction points where you could hook." Like, really, he was talking about understanding Chef and leveraging it's it's because there's a lot of powerful tools. But he was talking about I was actually had the joke raised like, who actually uses like report handlers? Who actually uses those like who actually uses the notifiers and the pub sub stuff and the event stream? Somebody and was, was like, asking that yesterday too. And, and he was like, "Here's all these integration points, and here's how we do this cool thing." I'm like, "Oh." Oh man, that's just right there. And he's like, read the code. He's like, because if you read the code of the thing you're using, you might actually understand how it works better. And especially when he's like, kind of like, funny how that works. Playing it off as like, I'm just an ops guy, my code isn't that great. But he thought to look at the code and thought to, I mean, I had this experience where I looked at like the free BSD provider. And I was like, you know what? I've looked at this and like, I think it's not working. But if I just say it's not working, all of a sudden <laughs> I've got all these other chefs like, oh, let's make it work. Yeah. And he just kind of really beat that point home where here's how you can, here's the results. And he very, he tied it very clear to what it helped them do. Right. And that was the, he's like, okay, so I did this cool esoteric thing that not everyone does. That, you know, not even everyone knows about. Maybe it's undock basically. Right. But here's what it did for us. Here's how it helped us do things better. And I think a lot of people miss it. We're like, here's the cool shiny thing, but here's what it allows you to do. Right. And that I think was a really good talk for everyone. Yeah, obviously a great speaker, very comfortable with, with the technology, but it showed that very clear connection between cool esoteric thing and what it gets you at the end of the day not not well we do this and it's super awesome so cool story right like cool we're done yeah, yeah, yeah we're done so john cowie's uh, was yeah I'll, I'll give him that fletcher and that was going to be uh, <laughs> epic as well so I, I, I think you summed it up pretty good i also enjoyed disney's talk which was kind of at the end today they, they kind of had the sort of the like since the like keynote last year sort of what's been happening and I appreciated how, how honest it was that they're like, now we've like done the thing and we're going to charge off and we're going to like change everything everywhere all at once. And then they're like, so they had this great like uh, little meme from Tropic Thunder and it was like, you don't go full DevOps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's such a good one. And, and so, and they said like they had to really like after that, like realizing, okay, well maybe we need to like sit back and like rethink this and, and pivot. So was this kind of the sequel to that? That talk that we heard last kind of like a follow. That, that's what it felt that like to me. That only the is, few people who were actually in that room yeah. last year actually heard. Nobody else knows anything. Yeah. yeah. And, and and admittedly, and they they kind of addressed this. This is like largely problems with just um, that's lawyer in, internal lawyer. Yep, yes. That and, is, and that's not. And, you anything, know, it's, it's nothing bad against them. It's nothing even bad against the lawyers. That's like the default safe position. So and good on them to but be like constantly fighting and engaging that battle. Is the talk this year going to be available publicly? 
Is that I believe this one yeah, no, but but it's it has not stopped them for well over a year for trying to make this happen. So that's awesome. Oh, like, as long as that team keeps the what they're doing, um, that they'll they'll be talking at ChefConf next well, year, and it will be available for sharing. I talked sure. to one of the, the the Disney guys and actually said, you know, he they, he I think it was Michael who gave the he was talking about the uh, the inventory stuff, and I told him I was like, so he was talking to me about how they're actually trying to get that open sourced. And still fighting that battle that it was a year ago, but still doing it because they know it's the right thing to do. And just to see that from like giant megacorp, yeah, yeah, is kind of. I had one of them at the summit be like, "When? So, you, oh, I had one of them come to me at the summit. So I'd been an employee for a couple of months, and he was like, "When are you guys gonna blah blah blah? I don't remember what it was. He was just like bitching at me about chef for a second. And I was like, "Well, when are you guys gonna stop sexualizing little girls?" And he was like, "Oh, touche." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So, I'm like, we're both, we're both in control of those things at about the same level. Right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, touche. Um, <laughs> Sasha, what was your favorite? I'm going to have to reserve judgment because I have not seen several that I wanted to see yet because I was out of commission yesterday working on slides. So, oh, so we'll ask you after you've done your homework. Yeah, like on our next episode, I'll like I'll report back. I got a big YouTube queue. Well, yeah, so for, for me, you can just follow my tweet stream and it'll probably be most of them over the next few months of, yeah. oh my God, uh, did you catch this session? Yeah, link, live link. <laughs> that's what happened to me last year. You know, yeah. you like pick one up like, well, and that's I actually I wanted to see your talk, and I we're, we're not skipping you, Yusuf, but um, I wanted to see your talk, and I but I wanted to see Sasha's talk, and I was like, no, well, there you boring, go. Like, what are you gonna do? Anyway, yep. Yusuf. Um, I mean, everybody's mentioned uh, the talks that I really enjoy, but I like the um, the open panel discussion with Mandy, Jazz, Phil Dillowitz, and I'm forgetting a couple of other people. Um, uh, Scopa was there. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Talking about. Yeah, talking about what what makes um, technology open. I thought that was really yeah. Is it data? Really is it open source? Yeah, that was yeah. interesting. Yeah, uh, so. it's very interesting examination. I think, and from people who've like seen all the sides of it. I mean, I think you know somebody who like kind of went into Microsoft bashing territory, kind of like accidental or not accidentally, but they they veered into there, and then somebody was like, well, realize that there's it's so easy, but there's but because it is easy, like let's let's back away from that because that's not actually helping anybody, and so you actually saw that kind of mentality playing itself out in the panel. Yeah, right. they kind of did well. They kind of did that they, they kind of like went forward a little bit and they said well everything you're saying applied to like facebook and oracle and right Android, right so let's just back off because we've we've we, well like like we can pull that out of our hat like all of these companies are kind of guilty of that stuff exactly it's like the pot calling the kettle black it's right. like it's very easy to right. get there and you're like oh man it gets a good laugh or it gets a good tweet. it's an easy good laugh tweet. yeah it's actually kind of funny that uh, Microsoft came up because there are lots of great talks, um, and I'm actually really bummed. Apparently, I made a cameo in your talk, Fletcher. You did. Uh, um, so I bummed. That. I'm gonna, that's. Gonna I be actually, I did. Too. I did factor, you know, some probability in that you probably wouldn't be there, so that I could do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I will say this, and and you know, people that know me will probably go, what, what is he smoking? Um, like my mom did when I got an iPhone, because a huge Linux guy, huge open source background. But I have to say, the Azure demo was actually, I was sitting there going, I'm a little amazed, and I actually might spin up some Azure stuff. And just, uh, he was talking about the, the game Titanfall, mm -hmm. that like, the way they solved the cheating problem is they said, everybody gets a VM in the cloud, and you talk to the VM, and the VMs talk to each other, and we can measure the latency and stuff and, and build that into the yeah. infrastructure, but then you can't cheat. Yay! That's like super, super smart. Like I have, I have yeah. designed those, I'm like, nobody's, that's a new thing. Right, right. Mm -hmm. and he was saying like one VM per gamer. Wow. Like, like they launched a VM and that was their VM to talk to the other Oh my stuff. goodness, I had not then? even really Are they sniffing packets then between them or like monitoring communications? Or no, what they're saying. What, what, 
briefly, the problem they're trying it's to solve is if you're, if, yeah, if you're hosting a game locally and you control yeah, like the network, and yeah, yeah you, you could basically kind of own the game. And what they're saying is to make it so people cheat, and, right? To make it fair, what they do is, is when you want to play the game, you connect to a VM in Azure Cloud, and all the VMs that are up making up the people connected in the game, because it's one VM per gamer, uh -huh. they talk to each other, but they own that infrastructure, so hmm. you can't cheat. So now I'm wondering, like, the command that they create, can I, like, inject extra RAM into, like, the extra VMs? <laughs> <laughs> like, right? like, oh, look, look, there's three sets. I've got, I got, I got six CPUs, and you only got two. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like when Knife Azure is running on the Xbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can I inject the extra dash dash num CPUs flag? <laughs> no, but he did. He also did a live demo where he like made a little Twitter client, and the, the thing that actually amazed me is like, okay, yeah, we've seen it. You've got compute. You've got storage. Blah. But then he brought up all these extra caching services. I was like, you can just plug this in. And I was chatting, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about, like they have built-in notification services for like iOS mm -hmm. and Android. Like, like if your app needs to notify things, you can just do that on Azure as part of the thing. So I think there are a couple things that I liked about that. It really, it's like, hey, maybe we should go look at this, A. And B, and this was, again, Chef Community, um, there was a lot of people tweeting about it, and I was like, yeah, people are open to hearing that message. And and, and he was doing I think it was very well received. Yeah. There were a lot of people yeah. who I heard just in the hallway track being like, did I just see a Microsoft dude spin up a bunch of Linux instances? Yeah, and just do, and then like, yes, that's exactly what you saw. Oh man, seeing Putty up there on a yeah. big ass screen yeah. warmed my heart. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, really, I really feel like Microsoft is, I feel like, I feel confident saying they fell behind the curve for the past couple oh, yeah. of years. And I think they're making a really, really big push to kind of enter this circle. And humanely. Humanely. And they're not being their typical, like, we are Microsoft, hear us roar. And, like, they're admitting the fact that, like, there are other tools. And yeah. they're, they're getting so what I said, and we had this exact yeah. outside of the normal. I, I know friends who went to go work for Microsoft who are, like, hardcore JavaScript people. Like, not, right. not Microsoft, not people who are going to be like, hey, IE. Right. And they brought them, instead of trying to artificially, they're like, you know what, let's get this person who's already credibility. Yeah. No, no. no. Like, get this credibility. And so they've worked very hard to establish themselves as being both credible and humane, which is humanizing so, the, the, the lawnmower, the, if you use the Oracle analogy. Like, being able to humanize that is, is very difficult. Well, so, yeah, I, well, I had that exact conversation. And the other thing that I said, it's like, I think it's clear that Microsoft with um, AWS and other cloud services was like, oh, we're not doing this, we're kind of screwed. But my takeaway from the demo, they're not doing the standard Microsoft thing of it takes three versions of the product to get it right. Like they're really doing it right kind of off the bat. So I thought that was actually fascinating. Well, we have one last thing to talk about. So we have a veteran, awesome community, awesome You can call community. me old. <laughs> I didn't. I was your veteran. Fletcher, you were up Eldritch. on stage. Yeah, you were up Yeah, on I did stage. not have much support from the other two. <laughs> well, I, I, Nathan had a little uh, presentation. <laughs> this is the best snap. I got to say, I, that really didn't go according to the rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Adam, Adam made it. That's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah. I think that was a very human thing that happened. Yes. yes. So I want to talk about awesome community chefs. And for people that don't know, so it's people in the chef community that, well, obviously are awesome. They're, they're fucking delightful. Yeah. Um, and have done not only like code and awesome things and that, but really. They're known to be leaders. Exempt, exemplify leaders, yeah. this community good, spirit good, that good we talked about. Yeah, like, and lead the community. So. Well, so, so I mean, we, we should start with last year. So last year it was. Jamie so, Windsor, Brian Barry. Right. Brian and Barry Fletcher and Fletcher. Yeah. 
And they all got track jackets with their names on them. That were retired. That retired. Yeah. And Are you jealous? On the wall. Why? Of the stuff they got this year? Oh, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, good swag. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. actually have a DevOps key on your keyboard? Well, that, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking what the awesome. heck I could like add <laughs> yeah, that up to. Fletcher, why don't you walk us through who are this year's three awesome community chefs? All right, so first we had uh, Ranjit Day. Which was so cool. I was very happy to see him honored. So, so yeah, yeah, totally. He's been so active for so many years. Ranjit is also an awesome person. Like, he's really, he really humble, and he's way smarter than most people I know. And I, I feel like because he's so humble, he, he never, like, you know, he, he never, never gets goes attention. out there and never gets, like, the recognition that he deserves. But, I mean, he works with me on Chef's Back. He worked with Andrew whenever we were back on Chef's Back. He's done a ton of stuff with ephemeral environments and Linux containers mm -hmm. and works on a ton of cookbooks. And it, it's like people know his GitHub handle and they recognize like a little avatar. And aside from that, like he's done a ton of work and we just don't see it. Do you remember last year the story he told us? Isn't he like from a village that has no electricity? So I tried to get him to do a talk. Yeah, I tried to get him to do a talk about it because he said I the mean, reason the I love Linux is because it was the only thing that was, was free, yeah, yeah. available, and I could install it on anything. And his love of Linux is it's like I was totally spoiled as a child. I had, you know, you know, computers that I could install whatever yeah. on. And he actually, his story of loving Linux is going to always beat my story of loving Linux because he, he had, I mean, like his entire life changed mm -hmm. because of what he learned. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, yeah, so super, super cool dude. Loves LXC. So at Awesome Community mm -hmm. Chef number two, and then we had Maya Johnson. Who is also super and who has probably helped just about everyone ever in the chef community in yeah. the IRC channel. When Adam, Adam, asked, Adam asked us, like, how many people have Maya, how many people have Maya helped? And just like, did you ever, like, if I'm you've ever asked a question on the IRC channel, yeah. chances are good she's probably helped. Yeah. So this is what and I did to kind of to, to prepare is, is I thought, I'm going to look through the transcripts of Chef. And I, I searched for her name. And I actually didn't get her messages which was kind of interesting. I got everybody else's that were mentioning her. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And they were like the nicest things. I'm like, I kind of wish I could screen capture all this. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was, uh, I mean, I, when I first started with Chef, I remember Maya, it was the two people who would be in the room helping. Cause I was like, you know, keyboard cat. Like I, I had not <laughs> done any config management really, except like be config two. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, right. and so yeah, exactly what. And so I was, I was there, and it was, it was Maya, and then Noah would be the two people in yeah. the Chef channel. Doesn't matter how like I don't want to say stupid questions. It's like Ariel, like, I'm really lost in the weeds. Right. And I, like, it's okay. We have infinite patience. Exactly. We have yeah, infinite amounts of patience. And then just I mean, even last year and the year before, Maya teaching me how like cookbook patterns should work. I didn't care about cookbook patterns until Maya was like, this is why you should care. Right, and the other thing with her too is that not only does she, when she disapproves of something, the way it's done, she goes out and she does something right to like, to work through it. And then she, yes. you know, like... Yeah, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like if she sees a pattern in the community that she doesn't like, she'll write a cookbook or like a, a sample mock-up and, and it's it. like, hey, I think this is the better way to approach that problem. And she doesn't go on Twitter and say, you're stupid. I'm gonna go drink a beer. She's like not gonna say anything. She's gonna make sure that her assumptions are valid, and then she's gonna test the hell out of it too. Right? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like, and like excellent test coverage. wrong. I'm using air quotes for the yeah. listeners at home. Like that's not the right thing to phrase it, but she, you know, it's like she approaches it in a way that's like, hey, I think that there's a better way to do it. Here's what I was able to come up with. Do you want to talk about it? And it makes people feel good because it's like I had this idea and I implemented it incorrectly, but somebody took my idea and made it into a beautiful flower. Um, mm -hmm. And last up for awesome and community chefs. Then we had Eric Wolf. Atomic Penguin. It was Atomic Penguin. 
I think the one of, and I, I really feel like he was, you know, some people are like, what? You know, cause he's they, actually very little known, I think, compared to the other two. But he's, but this he's is also, why, and this is why we Irish say Atomic Penguin. Right. Because then people go, oh. oh. Yeah. The first Chef it's Community chef Summit, on Red Hat. I did not know I was talking to Eric Wolf until it was done. Yeah. Um, he had a chef shirt that, like, I think he got, they, they weren't, like, doing shirts at, at the first mm-hmm. one, but he, like, got one from Ops Code. I realized at the end, I think, I must have heard him, like, Speaking or something, I'm like, I okay, was that Eric? <laughs> yeah, and you can you connect it. And he's, I mean, if you used Red Hat or CentOS, you and and you use Chef, you've used his you code. love him, yeah. and you may or may not. He's know like it exactly. You 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 owe him a ton of like you owe him beers, infinite beers, because he's he's infinite built CentOS he's built so many things that were not there. Well, he's contributed uh, all of the Red Hat Fohi data to Fohi, which lets you test and pretend that you are Red Hat for testing purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just yeah, and good. I think he's in at least two MVP releases for Chef. Yeah, and he's like yeah, and it's one of those things where he's 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 not necessarily underappreciated. It's just one of those he does stuff that if you don't ever because people are like oh I just use Ubuntu I never notice I never even think to think but to think if you do don't that. there's there's it's it's not doing the cool hot thing it's doing the thing that people actually use and need right. right well I think what's also super interesting to point out about Eric's situation is that he doesn't actually work for a technology company. He's actually employed by a university. Uh, is it Michigan? It's Marshall. 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 I knew it was an M. He actually works for a university, and I think like it's also cool to see. Uh, we actually had a talk here about DevOps in the university, and it, it's oh, cool right. to see that like he works for your non-traditional. I'm using air quotes again. He's, he works for like a non-traditional technology unit, and still producing volumes of work that benefit the community and that's that's super cool yeah that takes a lot of effort in that in that space too to to give that contribution yeah so so that was awesome and and um one of the nice nice benefits of hey what would just okay. hold on a sec hold on oh i, I we're missing what, one more person what happened fletcher tell us <laughs> yeah we, we had an interruption on stage this drunk vagabond yeah so <laughs> i'm completely unsupported i i basically had nathan and adam make me do some crazy wave thing to music that I don't know the words to um, <laughs> with, without the only other person there which is Jamie sadly Brian couldn't be with us but, um, but he did even a really cute baby video oh, is he, oh he did oh yeah. that's right the uh, the award goes to video yes. was pretty yeah awesome. so this is Ranji Brian did a video with his, his adorable adorable uh, baby and he was it said love Ranji yeah. he actually thanked Ranji for introducing him to Chef which I think was like but the then, coolest one of the coolest. Yeah, so, but then as you were saying, like Jamie Windsor was like, where he was where's that dude? Yeah, where is he? And when he came on stage, of course he had He had a whiskey. bourbon in hand or whiskey, yeah. yes. But he Jamie. had a message, which was confusing. He had a message which was basically, I mean, basically the, the whole system is totally messed up, was, was I think his, his message. And so, and so I don't know. how do we fix the system? So, so, so Jamie, Jamie comes on stage and is like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. He's like, there's another awesome chef that we're not recognizing. And he was like, and unfortunately they work for the company and like, that's against the rules. You can't be an awesome chef and work for chef. But he said, unless we had recognized this person, we would be remiss in recognizing like the contributions to the community. And so then our, our illustrious panel guest, Seth Varga, who wasn't even in the room, was busy working on Burke's shelf at the time. Actually, As Seth adding, does. Uh, yeah, exactly. Adding new features. Uh, he was like, you know what? We need to recognize Seth. And then he listed like the achievements. If you look at the achievements, it's Chef Sugar. If you haven't used it, go use it right now. Burke Shelf. What else do you have? Chef's Chef Chef Spec, which is yeah, huge. Oh, and just, Test Kitchen. Yeah. Test Kitchen. All these things. And you're like, how would I make it through a day working on Chef stuff without any of those? 
And right. so Learn Chef. Learn Chef. Oh yeah, you may have heard of a little site called LearnChef.com, which I point people to all the time. So, so well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. Well deserved, Seth. Thank you. And I, I was chilling. I also I gave a talk on Chef Sugar while I was here, and I was chilling in the speaker's room because there's bacon and <laughs> and, bourbon. Uh, and bourbon. And I was we found a bug in the Berkshire API server that Jamie and I were talking about. And my inclination is like I'm gonna fix it. So I'm like watching Jez's ending keynote from the TV that's in there, and I'm like hacking. And Adam's like, come in the room. I'm like, please okay. now. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm good, and like they go. No, you gotta come now. They go I know, they're all like Seth. Where's Seth? And I'm like, that history is probably writing code. <laughs> so like, I, I submit the pull request. I close my laptop. <laughs> and I go and I, I I start talking to Adam Edwards about some Windows stuff with ChefSpec, and um, I'm talking about how like it's really hard to mock Windows things because Chef behaves differently on Windows. And Polly, like the director of ops at Chef, he's like, dude. Get in there. Award, you need to get in here now. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and, and I was so confused. And he's like, give me your laptop and like go, go on stage. Go, go, go. And I go on stage and John Cowie is talking. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That story was so awesome. Uh, which, which the TLDR of this story is that I rewrote Knife Spork and submitted this massive like 100,000 line change and I felt <laughs> Along bad. with a really snarky tweet on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> and I, I, again, this is where I've learned to not be an Twitter, I submitted like a kind of passive aggressive snarky tweet mm-hmm. on Twitter about like how bad the code was, yeah. and disorganized it, uncommented it, and like I did the whole thing over. And this was back when I worked at Custom Inc. And John is like on stage telling people this, and I still have no idea what the f- is going on. <laughs> and we like, were waiting for you, so they were looking for people to tell stories about you, basically. Yeah, they actually they were like, "Who's got a story?" And I actually raised my hand and I was like, "Oh wait, this is not stage appropriate." I was like, I "Actually, so we're like this," and I was like. Nope. We've <laughs> <laughs> all learned a lesson that you shouldn't be coding during the chef community. Awards. You should. You, you might win. You might you win might, an award. Yeah, you should be there. <laughs> but I was. I was super excited. I've always been like a little bummed out secretly that I couldn't win. Um, I told you, man. You just. You just. You joined a little too early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they were worried that uh, to win you'd like quit. Yeah. The reason I didn't even expect it is like way back, like way back, Nathan forwarded me an email from the nomination form. He's like, "Oh, someone nominated you," and I was like, "Oh, like whatever. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. we don't count them." And uh, he said, "Well, maybe you'll just have to quit for like five minutes while we <laughs> announce the award winner." Yes. That will and totally then, f- up your health insurance. I so don't do that. Yeah, and then you can rejoin <laughs> again. And like he was being sarcastic, and that's I yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank yeah. you. That was super. Yeah. Enjoy your DevOps button. I was very pleased button. to see that. I do have a DevOps button. Yeah. I did want to mention, though, the, the Chef Community Summit. Dates for that were announced October uh, 2nd and 3rd in Seattle. Woo! Um, I, I, I was told that uh, Seattle is lovely in October. I guess we'll find out experiments. We'll be with all of us there. It, 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 it is, is lovely regardless. We'll be at the di- delightful is what it's yeah. going to be in a delightful, yes. We'll be at the Diller room. It'll be fantastic. There's oh, the Diller room. There's a 100% chance that it will rain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that's a good point to close down uh, ChefConf 2014. Oh, I think so actually, yeah, yeah. No, there's, an op- there's also an open bar. So. Yeah, there's. we got to get to uh, that. No, that's so. over. 6.45. Yeah, the, the open bar is over, but I do think that... There are more bars. We need to, we yeah. need to thank... I'm pretty sure I can putting all of this together and doing the wrap up and and grabbing all of us and forcing us into a room and no 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 making us talk about the things we're passionate (laughs) about wrangling wrangling several drunken cats basically (laughs) (laughs) but I'm ready yeah so from uh, San Francisco this is Paul Reed signing off from also from San Francisco this is Yusuf signing off from San Francisco this is Sasha Bates signing off.
From California, United States of America, this is Fletcher signing off. From right next to Fletcher Nickel, this is Seth signing off. From right next to Seth, this is Seth signing off. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Ship Show. So for our last segment tonight, we're going to be uh, doing another uh, word game uh, with the attendees of ChefConf 2014. Listeners may remember that we did uh, the word association game with attendees at ChefConf last year. And actually at PuppaConf too, it was pretty interesting some of the responses we got. You can check those out. Uh, They're the end segments in episode 19 and episode 26 if you'd like to compare contrast. But for this year, we're going to do another uh, word game. And so without further ado, we present the ChefConf 2014 Either Or Game. So I'm here with... Jeff Holtine. And you are from... I'm a software engineer at White Pages, formerly ran my own chef and DevOps consulting company called Automated Labs. Uh, awesome. Okay, so we are doing the Either Or Game. You ready? Yes. Okay. Or no. <laughs> Uh, Emacs or Vim? Vim. CentOS or Ubuntu? Ubuntu. Screen or Tmux? Tmux. Perl or Python? Python. Rolls or wrapper cookbooks? Wrapper cookbooks. Apache or Nginx? Nginx. Haskell or Erlang? Erlang. VMware or VirtualBox? VirtualBox. Rebase or Merge? Rebase. <laughs> VMs or containers? Containers. DevOps or no ops? Don't care. <laughs> Cake or death? Cake. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> I'll have the cake, please. <laughs> I am here with... Matthias from Engine Yard. Cool. All right. Here we go. Either or game. Emacs or Vim? Vim. You had me primed for that one, so that was cheating. <laughs> CentOS or Ubuntu? Thank you, sir. Ubuntu. Preferably Debian, but... <laughs> Screen or Tmux? Tmux, but with the keys read down. I don't stand for that Control-B nonsense. <laughs> Perl or Python? Python, narrowly. I have a soft spot for Perl because it got me started in the whole beginning. <laughs> the, com- the computing thing. Yeah. Rolls or wrapper cookbooks? I'm neutral on that issue. Apache or Nginx? Apache. Two. Uh, <laughs> Not one. One is terrible heresy that should be burned from the earth. <laughs> Haskell or Erlang? I'll go with Erlang. VMware or VirtualBox? VirtualBox. Rebase or Merge? Rebase. VMs or containers? Containers narrowly, unless we're talking about uh, out on the public cloud. In that case, I would strongly prefer that they be properly separate. Okay. DevOps or no ops? DevOps. Sorry, coming from an operations background, I can't honestly say that I don't want operations. (laughs) Cake or death? I'll go with cake. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Thank you. I'm here with... Bacchanamo. And you are with... Chef. All right. Ready for the either-or game? Let's do it. Okay. Emacs or Vim? Uh, Vim. CentOS or Ubuntu? CentOS. Screen or Tmux? Screen. Perl or Python? Python. Rolls or wrapper cookbooks? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Patchy or Nginx? Both. <laughs> Haskell or Erlang? Erlang. Oh. <laughs> Can't say both on that one. Okay. VMware or VirtualBox? VirtualBox. Rebase or Merge? Merge. VMs or containers? You maybe can both. say both on that yeah. one. Yeah. DevOps or no ops? You can't say both on that. Whiskey ops. <laughs> yes. Uh, cake or death? Cake. Thanks. All right, so I'm here with? Chess Humble. And you are with? Fullworks. And you did a, a little continuous, su- what is it? Continuous oh, something? Continuous deployment. Something. Uh, continuous integration. Continuous delivery. Yeah, okay. there it is. There it is. All right. The either or game. Emacs or Vim? 
Emacs. CentOS or Ubuntu? Ooh, Ubuntu. Screen or Tmux? Screen. <laughs> Old school like me. Yeah. Perl or Python? Uh, Perl. Ooh, that's even older school. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> no, I love, no, I, the first, yeah. <laughs> Not shell scripts, Perl scripts, man. Perl scripts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rolls or wrapper cookbooks? Oh, I've neither. Patchy <laughs> or Nginx? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm Nginx now these days. Yeah, that's my that's my like. Uh, hey, wait, how can you go from Pearl and then be like Nginx? I know. I I feel bad about Mod it. Mod Pearl, man. It's all about Mod Pearl. I was pretty disappointed to find that none of that shit works with Nginx, and I actually <laughs> have to run both. Right? Yeah. It's like so. I've got Nginx, and then I've also got Apache, so I can serve like you know. My You've got 99 shit. problems, and Apache and Nginx are both one of them. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had you know obviously Heartbeat came along, and now yeah. I've got all that shit to deal with as well. Yeah. So, yay. You get all the fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, Haskell or Erlang? Haskell or Erlang. That, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> They're both hipster languages. That's really the... Yeah, I, I haven't programmed either of them. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. VMware or VirtualBox? VirtualBox. Rebase or Merge? I'm, I'm sad to admit I'm Merge. I, I, Rebase is one of these things. I do it. I learn it. I'm like, that's cool. And then like... never. But don't ever use it. And then by the time I need to actually use it, I've forgotten it. <laughs> How it works, yeah. VMs or containers? Yeah, I'm, I've never used containers, but I'm really, really excited about them. DevOps or no ops? Uh, DevOps. <laughs> cake or death? Cake, please. <laughs> Thanks. Have you got any more cake? Yes. Okay, <laughs> All right. I'm here with... I'm Adam Michael. I'm the IT director for the College of Architecture at Texas A&M University. Awesome. And so are you ready for the either or game? Let's do it. All right. Emacs or Vim? Vim. <laughs> CentOS or Ubuntu? Oh, currently Ubuntu, but we're we're looking hard at CentOS. <laughs> so they both have their different <laughs> issues. Uh, screen or Tmux? Screen. Perl or Python? Python. Rolls or wrapper cookbooks? Ah, uh, wrapper cookbooks. Apache or Nginx? Nginx. Haskell or Erlang? Haskell. VMware or VirtualBox? I like VirtualBox. Rebase or Merge? Merge. VMs or containers? Ah. Uh. Containers. <laughs> DevOps or no ops? Yes. <laughs> uh, cake or death? The cake is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. No problem. And I'm here with? Justin. I'm from the operations team at Sonian. Awesome. All right. Emacs or Vim? Emacs. CentOS or Ubuntu? Ubuntu. Screen or Tmux? Tmux. Perl or Python? Python. Rolls or wrapper cookbooks? Wrapper cookbooks. Apache or Nginx? Nginx. Haskell or Erlang? That's a tough one. Uh, Erlang. VMware or VirtualBox? VirtualBox. Rebase or Merge? Rebase. VMs or containers? Containers. DevOps or no ops? That's a tough one. <laughs> I would say DevOps. Uh, cake or death? Cake. Thank you. So I am here with? Adam Jacob. What did you do? I, I wrote Chef. <laughs> you wrote a little thing. Yeah, we just all, a, little, yes. a little thing. Yeah. Your keynote, by the way, awesome. It was, was spot on. Thanks, man. And, and from the heart, which makes a great keynote. Awesome. Thank you. So we're doing the either or game. Okay. All right. Emacs or Vim? Vim. CentOS or Ubuntu? CentOS. Screen or Tmux? Tmux. Perl or Python? Perl. Rolls or wrapper cookbooks? Rolls. Apache or Nginx? Nginx. Haskell or Erlang? Erlang. VMware or VirtualBox? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, KVM. Uh, rebase or Merge? Uh, rebase. VMs or containers? Both. <laughs> DevOps or NoOps? <laughs> DevOps. Uh, cake or death? Cake. <laughs> Anybody choose death? Yeah. Uh, 
Not yet. That's good. Yeah. Yes. No dying. You let them eat cake. There's no dying in DevOps. <laughs> So that was the either-or game, the ChefConf either-or game. Uh, listeners, you should feel free to pick your favorite either-or and tweet us uh, what your decision is. Emacs VI, uh, Rolls, or Wrapper Cookbooks, or uh, what have you. Coming up in the next few weeks, uh, Monitorama is coming to Portland the first week of May. I'll actually be in Portland, uh, though not at Monitorama. Carnegie Mellon uh, and the Software Engineering Institute have a, an academic conference that happens to be Portland around the same time I'll actually be speaking there. So if you're at Monitorama and want to learn more about software engineering, see a conference focused on that, check that out. I'll be speaking there. Um, we've also got, of course, Velocity coming up, both Santa Clara and New York. And DevOps Days Pittsburgh just announced their speaker list um, there at the end of May, they've got some awesome speakers on the on the list, including uh, Kevin Bear, Pete Cheslock, uh, Jennifer Davis, and Todd Underwood are all going to be speaking there. So looking forward to that. You can always check out DevOpsConferences.com for a more complete list of conferences, including conferences around the world that we should be looking forward to. So all alone in San Francisco, recovering from ChefConf, this is Paul Reed signing off. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, 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 oh,